violent explosion shook the air, and a spout of water, steam, mud, and shattered metal shot far up into the sky. As the camera of the heat ray hit the water, the ladder had immediately flashed into steam. In another moment, a huge wave, like a muddy tidal ball but almost scaldingly hot, came sweeping round the bend upstream. I saw people struggling shorewards and heard their screaming and shouting faintly above the seething and roar of the Martians' collapse. For a moment, I heeded nothing of the heat, forgot the patent need of self-preservation. I splashed through the tumultuous water, pushing aside a man in black to do so until I could see round the bend. Half a dozen deserted boats pitched aimlessly upon the confusion of the waves. The fallen Martian came into sight downstream, lying across the river and for the most part submerged. Thick clouds of steam were pouring off the wreckage, and through the tumultuously whirling wisps I could see, intermittently and vaguely, the gigantic limbs churning the water and flinging a splash and spray of mud and froth into the air. The tentacles swayed and struck like living arms, and, save for the helpless purposelessness of these movements, it was as if some wounded thing was struggling for its life amid the waves. Enormous quantities of a ruddy brown fluid were spurting up in noisy jets out of the machine. My attention was diverted from this death flurry by a furious yelling, like that of a thing called a siren in our manufacturing towns. A man, knee-deep near the towing path, shouted inaudibly to me and pointed. Looking back, I saw the other Martians advancing with gigantic strides down the riverbank from the direction of Chertsey. The Shepparton guns spoke out this time unavailingly. At that, I ducked at once underwater, and, holding my breath until movement was in agony, blundered painfully ahead under the surface as long as I could. The water was in tumult around me, and rapidly growing hotter. When for a moment I raised my head to take breath and throw the hair and water from my eyes, the steam was rising in a whirling white fog that first hid the Martians altogether. The noise was deafening, but I saw them dimly. Colossal figures of grey, magnified by the mist. They had passed me, and two were stooping over the frothing, tumultuous ruins of their comrade. The third and fourth stood beside him in the water, one perhaps two hundred yards from me, the other towards Leyland. The generators of the heat rays waved high, and the hissing beams smote down this way and that. The air was full of sound. A deafening and confusing conflict of noises, the clangorous din of the Martians, the crash of falling houses, the thud of trees, fences, sheds flashing into flame, and the crackling and roaring of fire. Dense black smoke was leaping up to mingle with the steam from the river, and as the heat ray went to and fro over Weybridge, its impact was marked by flashes of incandescent white and gave place at once to a smoky dance of lurid flames. The nearer houses stood still intact, awaiting their fate, shadowy, faint, and pallid in the steam, the fire behind them going to and fro. For a moment, perhaps, I stood there breast high in the almost boiling water, dumbfounded at my position, hopeless of escape. Through the reek, I could see the people who had been with me in the river scrambling out of the water through the reeds, like little frogs hurrying through grass from the advance of a man, or running to and fro in utter dismay on the towing path. And suddenly the white flashes of the heat ray came leaping towards me, 
The houses caved in as they dissolved at its touch and darted out flames. The trees changed to fire with a roar. The ray flickered up and down the towing path, licking off the people who came this way and that, and came down to the water's edge not fifty yards from where I stood. It swept across the river to Shepperton, and the water in its track rose to a boiling wheel crested with steam. I turned shoreward. In another moment, the huge wave, well nigh at the boiling point, had rushed upon me. I screamed aloud, and scalded, half-blinded, agonised, I staggered through the leaping, hissing water towards the shore. Had my foot stumbled, it would have been the end. I fell hopelessly, in full sight of the Martians, upon the broad, bare, gravelly spit that runs down to mark the angle of the way in Thames. I expected nothing but death. Now that's what I call a different introduction to the podcast. Uh, hello and welcome to The Only Way is Reading by Essex Library Services. I'm Amy and you've just been transported into H.G. Wells's The War of the World with my less than spectacular narration skills and the more than spectacular musical skills of our special guest today. Chris Adam is here today to talk all things soundscaping, electronic music and The War of the World in preparation for the exciting workshop he is running at Chelmsford Library on the 28th of October at 11am. The workshop is for anyone aged 14 plus and will be soundscaping H.G. Wells's epic story. And if you don't know what soundscaping means, that's alright, I can tell you now. Soundscaping is the combination of sounds that form an immersive environment. It's quite like a soundtrack for film, except without the pop songs, and more with everyday sounds added with layers of atmospheric music. Anyway, here's me pretending to be an expert. We have an actual expert right here. Chris Adam, welcome to The Only Way is Reading. Hi there. How are you? Yeah, not bad. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, so we have obviously just heard a fantastic example of a soundscape. Could you talk us through what you used to make it? So what you've just heard is a soundscape um, using electronic instruments. Um, in this case, this was made using synthesizers, which basically make noises from uh, electronic circuits. The synthesizer there uses uh, a modular pro approach, much like um, an electronic circuit to create the sound. Um, and a lot of the time it is up to the musician to choose how to patch it up, essentially, and how to make this big modular synth into um, a cool instrument that you can then make crazy noises out of. That's uh, very exciting and sounds incredibly complex. 
how did you get into making electronic music and uh, who or what inspired you? Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, there's that, that's quite an open, open-ended question, really. Uh, I mean, I, I always used to play a lot in bands um, and there was a lot of, there's a lot of stuff sort of band-wise. You have a lot of old sort of um, what's called kraut rock, like um, Tangerine Dream, and they used to use a lot of electronic instruments in their music. Um, and then there's they're sort of uh, musicians from the 60s or 70s, such as um, Delia Derbyshire, obviously, and uh, Wendy Carlos, who pioneered the use of electronic instruments and uh, synthesizers in their music to create, a lot of the time, it was theme tunes to BBC TV shows and, um, you know, background music here and there. One of, one of my biggest inspirations as well is Brian Eno, who took who took the idea of um, what what he what he calls wallpaper music, um, which I, I I think that's a little bit of a cruel term, but um, and and it kind of uh, it definitely evokes something that 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 falls into the background, much like sort of music. But um, it Brian Eno sort of made this thing where uh, it was music that you could listen to, and it would have as much detail in it if you listen to it carefully, but you could have it in the background as well. Um, and a lot of the way that he approached stuff um, and developed stuff inspired a lot of musicians that I came to like later on, um, such as uh, some of the more more modern stuff like Aphex Twin. Um, and yeah. Do you, do you think that because uh, everyone, everything is now available to everyone, and I mean, most people have a computer, whereas back when electronic music started, not everybody had access to a tape mm. and recording devices and computers, um, that there's like an, an excess of electronic music that, and maybe like the quality has taken a hit. Uh, I, as someone who's made rubbish for the past 15 years, I don't know whether I'm really qualified to answer that question, <laughs> but no, in, in all seriousness, uh, I like it's one of those it's it's a strange thing because um especially more on the experimental and the ambient side um there is a lot of trial and error there's a lot of um there's a lot of working through problems i mean uh, for example the the beat the um doctor who theme tune is made from lots of different bits of tape spliced together um it was recorded that was delia derbyshire as far as, as far as i remember and um I, the way she did it was she recorded I think a theremin citation needed, <laughs> but, um, it was a theremin. And then she, she spliced a lot of the notes together to create that, that theme tune, the sort of what, what you hear on the thing. And obviously that, that kind of method comes with a lot of trial and error, a lot of cutting of tape back then. And even though nowadays things recording, you know, we have, we now have sort of the world of recording at our fingertips. I mean, I'm, I'm, literally making things on my laptop that would have been completely impossible with you know the high-end studios of the BBC about 40 50 years ago so we have all of this amazing production wealth at our fingertips and I, th I think it's, it's a great thing I think it's, it's phenomenal without it I wouldn't have learned how to make any kind of music whatsoever because I, I come from a computer background um, so it's I, I come from a background where I predominantly started recording for myself using a laptop um, and then I moved on to synths and hardware later on when I enjoyed the way that 
they were more expressive in my in my opinion you could do more tangible you can touch them and you you get sort of a reaction out of them much like a real instrument like a guitar or a synth you get you get these kind of uh these cool this cool feedback between you and the instrument that i think possibly working with a laptop you don't get um so i, I think i think that that yeah that there are more people making things and then that's that's a good thing that without a doubt yeah that's brilliant uh, you talked about uh, cutting up and splicing tape have you ever done that oh no i i actually i that well <laughs> that that i don't know actually i suppose i have cut up tape and i guess spliced it using sellotape on um the old cassette on an old cassette um and it didn't really nice. give me a, yeah it it broke my cassette player which is now still <laughs> fixed so i've not i've not done it again because i'm a little bit scared <laughs> and i'd have uh, to borrow someone else's cassette recorder to do it and i don't want to start you know breaking other people's stuff <laughs> <laughs> um i find it um so incredible that splicing and tape and everything is like how electronic yeah. music started like when you hear electronic you think computer and modern technology you don't think meticulous hours spent cutting up something so analog and sellotaping it back together in a certain way it's like it's an incredible that they figured out that that's how electronic work music works and, and uh, i can't even really say what i'm trying to say because it's so incredible to me it, it's interesting because because we can't really imagine things outside of a computer now this kind of it's become so prevalent in everything that we do that it includes the music whereas back then obviously they weren't as prevalent in in society as a whole so it it made more sense and there are a lot of people i know who are older uh who absolutely love the fact that computers can now do about 90 percent of the tedious boring work that they had to do in studios <laughs> um and they they fully embrace everything about computers um which is a really interesting thing because I, because I came obviously came back from the other direction where I want, where I was sick of working in computers. We work in computers all the time. And that very prevalence that we have is what put me off working with them for something creative in a way. And so with, with music, which is obviously what I do then, then uh, it made sense for me to, to move into something that was more real in my opinion, obviously. Um, why do you think that sound is so important in telling a story? So I, I think I think with with narrative, with with sort of storytelling. I mean, storytelling was, when you think about it, originally a an an audio sort of experience. That's a weird way of putting it, but it was it was told by word of mouth. Mm. <laughs> That's a very weirdly technical way of putting it, <laughs> but yeah. Um, you know, every you know, stories were told by mouth originally, so it's mm. one of those things that um, I think I think that actually hearing sounds that or sort of audio that supplements a story is kind of natural to us. Um, I think I think there's there's an important element of uh, imagination to uh, reading and listening that. Uh, possibly just watching something on the screen doesn't really give you it, there's, mm. there's kind of a feedback between you and the um author or the or the writer where you are active in creating the story because you're imagining it yourself um mm. 
So I think what's good about sound and audio and the soundscapes and things like that is that they they help that that sort of process uh, in your brain and they help you to to imagine to to have that that kind of feedback with the with the writer to to have that kind of um it helps you have that interaction with the author that you you don't necessarily get just absorbing something on on a tv screen uh, it's interesting that you say that you have an added interaction with the author without the visuals of a TV show or film. I'd never really thought about that before, but you, you're definitely onto something there. It's like it's like whenever I uh, watch something and then gone to read the book or gone back to read the book, I can't help but like hear mm. the actor's voice in their my head yeah. and their inflections and inflections and uh, the landscape and faces are all copies of what I've seen rather than what I projected in my own imagination. Whereas sound alone definitely brings out the unique quality of putting you in the world, but allowing you to make up the rest in your mind. Mm. I mean, that's that's very that's very obvious when when I mean, as as you said, when when lots of people like a book and they release it on TV or they release something like that and they they immediately go, oh, that you know, you get a huge amount of people saying that isn't right. It's not the way that I like. It's not you know, it's not that it's not the the. Uh, what, what I imagined in my head or whatever um, because everyone knows ultimately imagining different things so it can never be right mm. yeah um, speaking of adaptations why why do you love H.G. Wells's The War of the Worlds um, and why does it go so well with electronic music do you think oh yeah the um, Jeff Jeff Wayne I I think I think the reason so the reason that the War of the Worlds was so uh, kind of ahead of its time is that there are, there are lots of things about it that now we, we take as sort of these tropes in fiction that mm. it kind of developed. Um, so like that the bit that, that we've just heard with the heat ray, um, that that was something that was invented much later and is in fact what we what we now would call a laser. <laughs> um, but, or, you know, a, a, some kind of plasma weapon. Um which is now kind of a trope that you hear all the time in science fiction, but it, it was one of those things that yeah. that actually started off in that book, um, as well as this idea that uh, I mean there there were there were novels that talked about aliens, um, aliens and sort of other worlds, but this was the first novel that described um, aliens traveling in in ships in in rockets although in in war of the worlds they were shot from a gun rather than being um the kind of rocket that we know now it was i think one a book that tried to give the impression of um invasion from another perspective Hmm. um so i mean one of one of the interesting things that I, you sort of read about it is that it, it gives the it gives the impression of the English who at, at the time were very much you know uh, a great power although I suppose I suppose the the British Empire at that point was slowly waning but mm. not not so much um, but um, it was definitely at, at sort of the height of its power um, and so H.G. Wells was giving the the readers a sort of the opposite perspective um, so it was what what it would be like to experience an invasion of uh, a force or an army that was infinitely more powerful than you could ever you know fight back against mm. um, and that was that was what um, that was what HG Wells was trying to get across with that 
Well, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of themes about sort of the future, about future technology, um, about what would happen about sort of modern modern technology and modern almost kind of uh, apocalyptic themes. So I think it lends itself quite well to to sort of electronic instruments because they they tend to be seen as like a a sort of futuristic mm. instrument. Um, I don't I don't know if it's just because of the name. I mean, they're, ultimately they're not really well. They are compared to say like a violin mm. or a, or a guitar or something like that. But they I think that things like things that involve modern technology or f- or future futuristic technology or sort of science fiction probably lend themselves to electronic music because of that because of this this mm. concept that they are um they are sort of like a future instrument in a way yeah i, I adore that opening chapter uh that opening of the first chapter sorry and the way it describes how humans are so small and you're really linking to what you said about the empire there's that line let me find it yeah um with infinite complacency, mm. men go to and fro over this globe about their little affairs, serene in their assurance of their empire over matter, which I think is just fantastic. Um, the little affairs and everything, it just really describes mm. what you were just talking about. Um, and it also really measures humans up as cruel beings who truly believe in the superior. There's that line, um, minds that are to our minds, as ours are to those of the beasts that perish. Um, I suppose you could also read it um, in a way of humans versus the natural world as well as through its colonialist uh, history. Um, I'd love to have been there to see those reactions um, Mm. and be involved in the frenzy when that first reading was led around on the radio. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 so hard to to do that kind of thing well to, to sort of add this sense of foreboding already to a novel and not give away or or essentially he does give away what's going to happen but and yet you when it happens it's still an enormous shock Uh, especially sort of back then um it would have been a it would have been a huge shock to hear a lot about the how how you know the heat ray kills people essentially Um, and a lot of the imagery in that is is very shocking to to people of that era Mm, definitely um there's there's a guy on TikTok who makes some very enjoyable di- videos about his favourite sounds, and I love asking people about that. So, what would you say your favourite sound is? Could you make it for us? <laughs> I see. That, <laughs> I see. I would. I would do that, but everyone always uh, takes the mick out of me when I do that. I, <laughs> ah, safe space. <laughs> I, I. I. But I. Um. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. I. So a lot of the there's a. I mean there's a so many different sounds that because of because of the nature of electronic music and the, the way that it kind of it it not only deals with sort of melody but it also deals with timbre mm-hmm. um so ultimately well in theory you can make any kind of noise that you want uh because of the because of the way that electronic music and the, and the sort of process allows you to manipulate sounds it's it's really hard to sort of say uh what exactly is my favorite sound um I definitely, definitely like some of the sounds in sort of drum and bass. There's a lot of drum, so a lot of the bass sounds in that, which are almost mm. sort of growly. A lot of the way that sounds, the sounds in drum and bass work with some of the bass lines um, are incredibly complicated sound design wise. Um, there's a lot of stuff like 
a lot of sound design in films. Can, yeah, can, I, can I, it makes me think of um, crazy. Christopher um, Nolan's films and that bass that just goes through you. I love the... Um, it really travels through your whole body, kind of like the drum and yeah, bass the, uh, as well. the Hans Zimmer horn sound. Um, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's, that's absolutely... It's, it's kind of one of those things that is so iconic and it, it's now everyone does it because it's such an effective <laughs> thing to do. Um, why do you love electronic music and why do you think people who come to the workshop will enjoy it and enjoy making it as well? You can get away from a lot of that, those rules in, in a very short time, um, even, you know, just by by touching a, a button or, you know, patching a cable in or, or you know, pressing a key you can get away from this these sounds that you've heard over these past hundreds of years or, or you know whatever or 50 or, or so um and you can be making something that no one would have heard before and possibly no one will ever hear again um and that that's kind of why why i love it because it it, it gives you that ephemeral feeling of of this is something that even though it's only for myself or even though it's only for, you know, a, a brief moment of time, th- this is something new and interesting. Mm. Um, and that's, that's possible to do whether you, whether you've been doing it for a long time or whether, you know, you've just picked it up within the past five minutes and you picked up a synth or you picked up, you know, a laptop and pressed a button on it and it's making a weird noise suddenly. Um, that noise is, is interesting. Um, th- you know, doing this workshop is, is supposed to, supposed to sort of show people is that, it, it the while the barrier of entry to music may seem high um because it may seem like you have to learn an instrument it may seem like you need to know music theory or something like that um actually it, it really it really isn't you can mm-hmm. you can start making music on your laptop immediately you can start you know you can have a small keyboard or whatever lying around and you can make music that is um you know brilliant with that and you don't need to know things. You can make weird noises that that are just as um, valid and important to music as you know someone who can play a fifteen million notes a second on a guitar or whatever. <laughs> See, that's no one can do that. Well, maybe it'd be hard. <laughs> Some computers can, and I've heard the computers do that, and it is weird. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so the. The point that I think the point of this workshop is mo- mostly to introduce people into into this idea that that they can create sounds and music, and it's it's a valid form of expression no matter what you do, mm. um, and also it hopefully gets people thinking about how to inspire themselves, not necessarily just in music, but in in other creative ways, um, because. This, you know, a lot of the time, even when I'm making music, uh, I'll, I'll get a creative block and I'll think, how, how do I get myself out of this creative block? And sometimes it's as simple as watching a film and going, well, what if I decided that I was going to write the, you know, the soundtrack to the five minutes of my favorite film or, you know, the chapter of my favorite book? Um, and I suppose and that can get you out of this creative rut and it, it can it can it can work whether you're doing music which is which is what I do whether you know if you're doing art you know painting or something if you go away and say oh what if I just painted this picture from my favorite book or something you know uh, this this image that I've got in my head you know like we were saying that what that I'm imagining in my head right now um and so mm. there are ways of sort of using it in that in that kind of sense as well as obviously 
the idea that we should be experiencing books and you know reading books and, and experiencing them because they are like a wealth of amazing stories information and mm. uh, you know etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah well thank you so much chris thank you um if you want to hear more from Chris, his musical artist name is Broken Atoms and he can be found on Twitter as Broken Atoms with no O. Um, and on Facebook, it's Broken Atoms spelt normally. Uh, if you want to get some inspiration for the Invasion Soundscaping Workshop, head to the Essex Library Services YouTube channel where we have made a playlist inspired by the War of the Worlds and electronic music. And if you haven't already, make sure to reserve your place for the workshop on invasionworkshopchelpsford.eventbrite.co.uk. The workshop is in half term on the 28th of October at 11am at Chelpsford Library. Um, Thank you so much for listening and we look forward to seeing you on the 28th of October. Bye! (laughs)